Today we come to Colossians chapter 4. Just to go back a little bit, in in chapter 3, verse 18 through verse 1 of chapter 4, we see that God desired so much that Christ would be expressed through all the different ethical relationships in the uh, human life. Now in in chapter 4, verse 2, Paul goes on to say, persevere in prayer, watching in it with thanksgiving. To persevere is to continue persistently, steadfastly, and earnestly. In prayer, we need to be watchful and alert, not negligent. Such watchfulness should be accompanied by thanksgiving. Why is prayer mentioned at this point? If we would express Christ in our human living, and preserve grace we have received from the Lord, we need to persevere in, in, in prayer. You know, no matter how much grace we receive from the Lord, it will leak away if we fail to persevere in prayer. Only prayer can maintain the grace that we've received. Uh, you know, you just consider the human life. Uh, in, in our human life, the, the most important matter for the maintenance of our physical life is breathing. Breathing is even more important than eating and drinking. Uh, We can go for days without eating and drinking, but only a few minutes without breathing. Prayer is our spiritual breathing. To pray is to breathe. Uh, Now we come to verses 5 and 6 of chapter 4, where Paul says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how, to, how you ought to answer each one. What does it mean to redeem the time? To redeem the time is to seize every favorable opportunity, and in this case, to minister life. This is to be wise in our walk. So the best way to redeem our time is, number one, to pray perseveringly, two, to be watchful, and three, to walk in wisdom. If we do these things, we shall grasp all the great opportunities the Lord gives us to minister life. Finally, we come to a long section of greetings in verses 7 through 17. And, you know, the question might come, why after such a high revelation of Christ in this book do we have such a long section on greetings? Well, I have to realize that in 7 through 17, we have a practical illustration of the revelation of the new man, which was given in chapters 3, 10, and 11. And in 3, 10, and in verse 11, Paul is saying that, you know, the new man is a place where there cannot be Jew or Greek, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. And in these verses, you have all these different kinds of people that are pointed out. There's Jews, there's Greeks, there's circumcision, there's uncircumcision, there's slaves, there's masters. And you realize Paul in the in these these last verses of greeting is actually giving us a practical illustration of the revelation of the new man. So as we read the conclusion of the book of Colossians, we see that what was in Paul's heart was not simply a particular local church or a certain saint but the one new man. This was what was really in Paul's heart. And, you know, no doubt Paul knew a great many saints, but in the verses devoted to the fellowship he gives here at the end, 
He mentions certain ones as representatives of the various peoples who, with Christ as their constituent, compose the new man. In this way, he presents a full picture of the living of the new man. So this is how this book ends. What a wonderful ending to this book. Paul is so burdened that that the Lord would be expressed through the new man on this earth. The church is the new man. And then he gives a wonderful, practical a, a picture of this living of the new man.